0: I'm Paul Minzimar with High Cotton Farms in Ballinger, Texas. You're listening to the latest
1: news in Texas, Agricultural
2: Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture.
3: Hello Texas, we've got another week rolling and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, big federal money was announced last week to expand rural broadband right here in Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin and I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
4: The day might still come when hemp will be getting a lot of acres in Texas. But for right now, there remains a great amount of uncertainty about a crop that many once thought was going to be the next big thing. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
0: Across many regions of the state, pastures and rangeland are still in need of rainfall. As autumn begins, stock tanks are low for livestock and concerns mount for available hay for winter supplemental feeding. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
5: The cotton gins in the coastal bend are wrapping up the season much earlier than usual. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area.
3: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA announced $502 million in loans and grants to provide high-speed access for rural residents, farms, and businesses in 20 states, including here in Texas. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack.
6: Many parts of the country today still have uh, limited uh, Internet access in terms of upload and download speeds that simply don't allow for multiple uses in a home, uh, don't accommodate distance learning or telemedicine, and don't allow businesses to expand market opportunities and would not allow farmers the opportunity at of, of precision agriculture.
3: Texas State Director of USDA's Rural Development, Lillian Salerno, says it costs a lot of money to connect the vast geography of rural Texas.
7: We do have the most uh, unconnected rural uh part because of our geography obviously that's when i say that i say that with we're a big state so when we have to connect texas we're talking about huge sums of money because of how expensive it is to put fiber in the ground and uh, so it takes you know lots of different partnerships so that's just through usda we have reconnect programs um there's also uh, other parts of the federal family they're also putting big sums of money into texas
3: This latest round of funding is going to four projects located in Lamar, Red River, Coleman, Nolan, Runnels, Taylor, Comanche, Presidio, and Terrell counties. A Fannin County man who eluded authorities for more than a year was recently arrested on charges of cattle theft and forgery in North Dakota. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's Special Rangers first became aware of James Douglas Foster in January of 2021 when they were alerted of a cattle theft in Fannin County and issued a warrant for his arrest. Foster fled Fannin County and became a fugitive. They recently found him in Williams County, North Dakota, about 150 miles from the Canadian border. Foster was located and arrested in a remote and desolate area of that county. He'll be extradited back to Texas to face charges. The Ag Department's 2022-23 September wheat production forecast is unchanged from August at 1.783 billion bushels. Exports are also unchanged from the previous month at 825 million bushels. The 22-23 season average farm price for wheat is projected at $9 a bushel. That's down 25 cents from the previous month. However, it would still be a record price for wheat. Hemp was thought to be the next big crop for Texas farmers, but James Hunt tells us it hasn't quite worked out that way yet.
4: We're rounding out Season 3 of legal hemp production in Texas, and Calvin Trossel of Texas A&M AgriLife says planting has been consistent, right about 2,000 acres each year.
6: Thousand acres. Does that sound like a lot? Well, in Texas, we have annually around maybe two and a half million acres of greens, or we have about five to six million acres of cotton.
4: So, obviously, hemp has yet to become a major crop in Texas. For Dr. Trossel, who is the hemp specialist for AgriLife, hemp's future in our state largely depends on how strong the market for hemp fiber ultimately becomes. But another issue is this. A lot of hemp varieties tend to be most successful in places like Canada where the days are
6: longer. If you come south to Texas, our nights are too long, even though it's summertime, they're too long and the plants go into premature flowering. And so when that happens, you don't get the six and eight and ten foot tall growth that you've seen pictures of for fiber. So there's questions about varieties and how they respond. And so that's still been a major effort on my part. But USDA has funded a a first-hand project for Texas that involves plant breeding and also an expansion of our efforts to run from the lower Rio Grande Valley through central Texas to the High Plains to look a little bit more at, at what varieties we can identify that are adapted to Texas.
4: As the research continues, anyone interested can get an update this week at an event in Lubbock. The program will include a chance to examine hemp research plots and discussion of variety adaptations, irrigation requirements, and seed quality. The free event is Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4.30 at the AgriLife Research and Extension Center in Lubbock. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: Recent rains have been a blessing for many Texas livestock producers, but Tom Nicoletti reports that much more is needed to help them get through the winter.
0: My guest in the Waco studio is Tracy Tomasic. He is Texas Farm Bureau uh, Livestock Specialist. And uh, Tracy, uh, certainly uh, uh, the drought monitor across Texas is looking better at this point, but still uh, ranchers are needing more rain for pastures and rangeland for uh, hay production uh, going into the winter.
8: Tom, the last couple of weeks, much of the state saw some extremely good uh, rainfall events, good soaking rains that really improved the, the local conditions uh, for a brief period of time. Uh, but as you mentioned, there's still a, an extreme deficit in moisture across the state. In fact, if you look at the drought monitor, it was released uh, recently, uh, and there's still some areas with uh, the exceptional drought. And those folks, those farmers and ranchers, are really hurting for a long extended periods of time.
0: Stock tanks uh, certainly are low and uh, some pastures have greened up, but uh, hay production is uh, behind in many areas.
8: Good clean drinking water for livestock is still a primary concern throughout much of the state. So farmers and ranchers are still paying particular attention to that. And it's a good point that you make. Things have greened up across the state as a result of those rains, but that moisture is playing out very quickly, especially in the uh, areas that are reaching the upper 90s uh, when it comes to uh, the temperatures during the daytime hours. It's a good thing that uh, farmers and ranchers put got together and were baling up some of the corn stalks and milo stalks across the state because it helped get them through the, the late summer months M- moving forward that's going to be a concern, making it through the winter with the amount of stored forages that we've got. That is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist Tracy Tomasic. I'm
0: Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: Cotton gins in the coastal bend of Texas are wrapping up the season much earlier than usual. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi.
5: Well, the majority of the coastal bend cotton gins have completed their ginning this year it was a modest crop here in the coastal bend the few remaining gins that are operating are receiving some cotton from adjacent areas like the winter garden and upper coast but most of the coastal bend cotton has been baled and shipped to the compress most of the activities here continue to be controlling weeds and land preparation for next year's crop and The classing office in Corpus Christi, the USDA Cotton Classing Office, reported that they had already processed over 679,000 bale samples as of the 15th of September, so they'll be marching their way to try to get to a million bales with the Upper Coast and the winter garden crop still remaining to be ginned and classified. Meanwhile, cattle producers are happy with good grass and growing conditions. Cattle are now shaping up to have a good winter and fall, and we hope that rain will continue to bring our pasture conditions along and get improvements in the rangeland that was so devastated by months and months of drought. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring.
7: After receiving a petition to regulate the take of mountain lions in Texas, the Parks and Wildlife Department has established a new stakeholder group. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
3: And equine vaccines are usually given in the early months of the year. Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd, has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for, listen to officials, evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit
1: dicc.tamu.edu. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture
3: on Texas Ag Today. Equine vaccines are usually given in the early months of the year, but Dr. Bob Judd says some vaccines are recommended in the fall also.
2: All horses in Texas should be vaccinated for the core vaccines, including rabies, encephalitis, tetanus, and West Nile. These are core vaccines because exposure to other horses is not required for the horse to develop these diseases. And these vaccines are usually given in the early spring as two of the diseases are transmitted by mosquitoes, which are more common in the warm months. If your horses did not get these core vaccines in the spring, they should be given at this time. If these core vaccines were given in the spring and your horse is exposed to other horses, then your horse needs a booster of equine herpes virus, equine influenza, and strangles vaccine. The core vaccines all last one year, but the respiratory vaccines should be boosted in six months, as the immunity produced by these vaccines is not as long-lasting as the core vaccines. The respiratory vaccines are also called risk-based vaccines, as it depends on your horse's risk of being exposed to these diseases. If you take your horse anywhere around other horses, or if other folks bring their horses to your farm, then you need to consider these at-risk vaccines. Equine herpes virus and equine influenza are contagious diseases that usually cause mild upper respiratory signs but can lead to pneumonia and certainly infection requires time off from training or showing. Strangles is another upper respiratory infection that is extremely contagious that causes nasal discharge and swollen lymph nodes that can rupture and drain. Just remember that vaccinating your horses once a year in the spring may not be sufficient depending on your horse's exposure to disease. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has formed a new stakeholder group to look into the taking of mountain lions. Jessica Domo has the story in today's wildlife report.
7: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is forming a stakeholder group to weigh in on mountain lion management in Texas. Earlier this year, Texans for Mountain Lions petitioned the department to implement mandatory mountain lion harvest reporting, required 36-hour trap checks, limited harvest, and additional research on the elusive wildcat. The department ultimately denied the petition, but is moving forward with the suggestion by the group to form a stakeholder working group. Jonah Evans. TPWD's non-game and rare species program leader, explained the decision at a recent Parks and Wildlife Commission hearing.
6: Agency staff have reviewed the petition and recommended denial of the specific regulatory actions to allow time for adequate stakeholder engagement and input. There were concerns that the mandated deadlines of the company a petition would be too restrictive considering the complexity of mountain lion policy and the need to fully engage most impacted stakeholders. The staff recommends formation of a stakeholder working group to provide feedback to the commission and we recommend including affected landowners, land managers, academics, subject matter specialists, and representatives of key stakeholder groups.
7: Landowners who have had to take mountain lions in order to protect their livestock are expected to be included in that group. The department says the stakeholder group will examine mountain lion policy and provide feedback to the commission for their consideration. In Texas, mountain lions were classified as a non-game animal by the legislature, meaning there's no closed season, bag, or possession limit for hunters who take or trap a mountain lion. Mountain lions, which are sometimes also called puma, Cougars, or Panthers are the largest native wildcat in the state. They're mostly found in the Transpacus region and in South Texas near the border. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
3: The agricultural market saw a repeat of Friday's trade where everything was sharply lower. It happened again on Monday. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas AG Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected.
9: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and
3: may vary by situation.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
3: Monday was another day of red ink across the board in the agricultural markets. A lot of pressure coming from just the overall economy and thoughts of the U.S. recession and a coming worldwide recession weighing heavily on the markets. Also, the dollar continues to climb every day. And when that happens, that's bad news for exports. So it weighs heavily on our markets. And we saw that happen on Monday. Lower cattle trade. October live cattle down 77 cents, 143.47. The December down the dollar 20 at 147.35. February live cattle down a dollar twenty-five at one fifty-one forty-five. September feeder cattle dropping a $1. dollar twenty-five one seventy-six eighty-seven. October feeders down a dollar twenty-seven at one seventy-seven zero seven. While November feeder cattle were down a dollar $1. twenty-one seventy-seven zero five. Cash-fed cattle trade all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle for one forty-three. That's a buck higher compared to the previous week. Now let's check the auction
2: barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let me introduce you to Jody Fry from Producers in Cargyle. They sold them in San Angelo Thursday. Jody, how'd you do it?
9: We wound up with 920 head today compared to last week's sale. Calling these calves and yearlings mostly steady. Might have been instances one to two dollars over, but overall still good demand. Slaughter cows and bulls calling those fully steady for the second week in a row. Very few replacement cows and just a handful of cow-calf pairs on offer today. Steers, better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from 140 up to a, all the way to a high Near two dollars, mostly one fifty-five to one eighty-five. Better quality heifer calves, four to six hundred pounds, from one thirty up to a high of near one seventy, mostly one forty to one sixty. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from sixty to seventy-eight just like last week had several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 80 to 88. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, not a lot of those today on offer but those traded from 42 to 58. Slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 80 to 96. Like last week had several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 98 all the way up to a high of 112. Red cows and two-year-olds, baby tooth and good solid mouth cows, medium to heavy bread, just a few of those from 800 to $1,100 per head.
2: What are we anticipating next week, Jody?
9: <laughs> well, I don't think we'll quite have that 8,000 head like we had Tuesday. I'd say at least 6,000, 6,500, maybe a few more. Uh, look for cattle numbers to bounce back a little bit. Probably a thousand or more cattle at next Thursday's regular cattle sale.
2: Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you.
9: Three two five six five three 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 seven one. That'll get you the office. And my mobile phones two three four seven eight nine five.
2: Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo. Reporting for Texas Ag Today.
3: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where we see more red ink in the lean hog trade. October hogs dropped 225 on Monday to close at 9037. December hogs down 340, 7940. Class 3 milk was mostly steady. October milk unchanged at 2090, 100 weight. Big losses in the cotton market once again. We did see the cotton market start out higher in Monday's trade, but it just could not hang on as the dollar continued to ratchet up in price. That put big pressure on the cotton and grain markets on Monday. December cotton dropping 417 points to close at 88.37. March cotton down 373, 85.94 While the December 23 contract was down 260 to close at 74.64. Corn market, double digit losses with December corn down 10.5, 6.66 and a quarter, March corn down 11, 6.70 and three quarters. And another day of losses in both hard and soft wheat, same factors we've been talking about through this whole report. A rising dollar and overall fears of the economy pressuring the grain markets lower. December Kansas City wheat down 21 cents at 9.29 and a half. December Chicago wheat down 22 and a half at 8.58 a bushel. In the energy markets, we did see a higher close in natural gas. That's about the only higher thing. October natural gas up nine cents at 6.92. November crude oil down a dollar eighty five at seventy six eighty nine a barrel. The financial markets lower on Monday afternoon, the Dow down two hundred seventy-two points twenty nine thousand three hundred eighteen, the Nasdaq down forty at ten thousand eight twenty seven. The S&P down 29 at 3,664. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts,